0: Um, it is great to see you. I'm Pastor Lori, and I'm excited to bring a short devotional word today. The last few weeks, we've been talking about what makes a disciple resilient. And I hope that over the course of the last few weeks, something's been stirring inside of your spirit as you, as you have been reflecting on this and thinking about this in your own life. Am I truly a resilient disciple. And how if not, then how can I be? And that's part of why we're going to be talking about this all year long. The reality is that as we look at the world, there's a lot of lack of resilience. And so it is our heart's desire that we would be ones who can stand firm in the midst of the storms of life. The storms of life are going to keep coming. But we want to be anchored and stand firm on the solid rock that is Jesus. And so, resilient disciples, there's a few things we've covered love Jesus. They love Jesus first. They put him first in all things. When Jesus is first in our lives, when when things are rightly ordered with Jesus at the top, what did Jesus say? Have no other gods before me. We want Jesus to be at the very top. Everything else can flow from there. So resilient disciples love Jesus. Resilient disciples engage purpose. And what does that mean? That means that As disciples of Jesus, that we're discovering our gifts. We're discovering our purpose. We're discovering why it is that God placed us on the earth and what he gave us to bring to the world. Resilient disciples trust scripture. Now, this is huge. This is huge. And this is a hard one nowadays. Because if we don't trust that the word of God is actually God's word to our lives, then I'm telling you, we're not going to have our life built on the foundation of Jesus. The reality is that in this day and age and in this culture, often we we look at it and and, and there's conflict with the scriptures and we think, well, how can I? How can I believe this? How can I walk this out? Well, we want to anchor to something that's greater than culture because culture changes. It changes over time and over seasons and over history again and again and again and we want to anchor to something that is unchanging and that is the scriptures. Resilient disciples engage in meaningful relationships, and this is a huge part, and a struggle, honestly. I'm going to be honest. Meaningful relationships is a struggle. It's something we have to contend for. But today, we're going to be diving into something different, countercultural mission. Resilient disciples engage in countercultural mission, and what does this mean? Now, I'm a little bit... Nervous is not the right word, but a little bit unsettled about this word today because it has some sobering elements to it. And typically, if you know me, I have the gift of faith. And so when I teach or when I speak or if you come to meet with me in my office, I I I constantly, even as I read the scriptures, it's like what jumps out at me is what is possible in God. Do you know what is possible in God? And so even when I preach and when I teach, I, I sort of see it through the lens of what is possible, what God could possibly do. And that's because there's a spiritual gift of faith in my life. And this message today, it has some more sobering elements to it. Now, yes, a gift of faith is still going to come through, but, you know, I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to make anybody feel like you're not good enough or like you're not doing it well enough. And and honestly, if you feel that as I'm speaking today, I just ask you to quietly in your spirit just reject that because that is not of God. That does not come from God. If you feel or are sensing, wow, like I'm just not good enough. I just don't have what it takes. You just quietly say in the name of Jesus, no, I reject that. That is not from your heavenly father. And I do not mean to come from that place. But I pray that something deeper would stir into your spirit about what it means to live a countercultural mission in life. You know, Jason and I started in ministry as youth pastors about 25 years ago, and the world looked very different 25 years ago. Like, in every single way, it looked different. There were no smartphones at that time, which I know we imagine, wow, how do we even live without smartphones? But there were no smartphones back then. There was no Instagram. There was no social media. Email was kind of just getting started. The internet was just sort of getting started. Uh, we actually had a home phone attached to the wall. And and honestly, we, our phone bill was... a month for the entire family. Everyone who lived in the house, it cost $25 a month, but I had to get a special long distance plan so I could call my mom. Like it was such a different time. And I know that you know that this is true. I have never seen a time like we're living now in my lifetime. And I know you probably haven't either. And that doesn't mean that A time like this hasn't existed in history. In fact, humans have existed for all of time, and so a time like this has existed again and again and again in history, and we see all the way back to the time of the Bible, a time like this existed at that time where the Apostle Paul spoke to us from Ephesians 6, and he said, finally, be strengthened by the Lord by his vast strength, and put on the full armor of God, so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. You see, to the church in Ephesus, all the way back then, Paul said, be strengthened by the lord be strengthened in his strength put on the full armor of god because there's a battle that you're walking but it is not in the natural and it is not against one another and inspired by the holy spirit at that time he brings a correction to an us versus them spirit you see our struggle is not us versus them our struggle is not against any them It is for what God desires to do in us. And summed up simply, when we begin to engage in this space of fighting culture wars, we're fighting the wrong one. Now, sure, we can all admit that there are clashes in culture, and we we do have to take risks for what is true. But the motivation to win against other people is not the heart of God. No, we want Jesus to win over the hearts and the minds of people. And resilient disciples, they have a deep sense of mission. They live counter-cultural lives, not combative lives with the people around them. And of course, we share much of the consternation of what is wrong in the world. Yet our conviction is what will bring healing and restoration. And it's very different from that of the world. You know, often when Jason and I are driving... I want to I want to focus on this word different for a minute. When we're driving together, Jason will often choose to take a route that in my mind does not seem like the most direct route to get there and I I think w- where are you going, and why are you going that way? You see, he's a bit of a creature of habit. So, once he's sort of established a route to get somewhere, even just close by in the neighborhood, the grocery store or the church or here or there, he kind of takes the same route again and again and again. And I often wonder why he's taking that route because if I was driving, I would go a different way, a way that I think is more direct to where we want to go. And one day it hit me. It hit me that. We both have a desired destination of where we want to get to. And if he takes a different route, and it takes an extra 30 seconds, or it takes an extra minute, what does it actually matter? If we end up getting to the place where we desire to go, it's not actually really about right or wrong, it just is about different. And so this begs the question that when traveling down the road in life, that possibly may not be the most direct route towards the desired destination. What can we learn along the journey about love, about kindness, about humility and patience and gratitude? You see, I see this all the time. We see it out in the world. I think we should do it this way. I think we should do it better. I mean, we have all of these ideas and all of these judgments and all of these opinions about how we think things should go. We do this right here in church too. I think you should do it this way. How come you don't offer this? How come it's not like this? But what if If we all have a desired destination that we want to go, but we take a little bit of a different route to get there, what if part of the journey of getting there is actually a reflection of, God, how are you using this frustration, this circumstance, this provocation inside of me to actually make me more like you, to make me more resilient, to make me more humble, more loving, and more kind? You see, we see through the condition of our heart. And although what is happening in the world today is new or different to anything that I've seen in my lifetime, it is truly not the first time that the world has sort of begun to implode on itself. And the Bible describes this as a house divided against itself cannot stand. You see, Paul speaks to the early church about these very things. Or even if you read any C.S. Lewis or Dietrich Bonhoeffer, you you read that they are speaking exactly to what it feels like is going on in our culture today. We're seeing divisions en masse, exodus from the church and faith, a new gospel being rooted in self. No we're not much different than that which we've seen again and again and again in history, believing that progress, education, and science are the answer to every problem we see in the world believing that religion is the root of every conflict, believing we know a better way, the right way for us to get along. And I know that you feel this pressure, especially when you're at work, if you're at school, when you're out in the culture, that you need to talk like this, you need to say this, you need to have this right lingo. And if you are not completely for us, then you are against us. And it's a constant invitation into this us and them realm and world. And the truth is that living a countercultural mission will not come through these wise and persuasive words, but actually through a demonstration of the power of God unto salvation. You see, when you enc- encounter the power of the living God... There are actually no persuasive words that can take that away from you. You anchor into a place deeper than this ever-changing world around you. And the truth is that many of us have lost our first love. That very first place of loving Jesus and putting him over all else. Our love for Jesus that is greater and stronger and a more powerful motivation than fighting with our brothers and sisters about the route that we're on. A love for Jesus that compels us to love people as Jesus does. Because in order to live a countercultural mission in the world, we must be people. Who focus on faithfulness and holiness as their core identity, at home in who God has created us to be. But how we do this matters. It matters a lot how we love people on the journey matters because Jesus actually said when he was here on the earth, they're going to know that you're my followers. You're gonna, they're they're going to know that you are Christians because of the love that you have for one another. And church, we are not doing well. We are failing the very first call to love one another well. You see, we sometimes think that, oh, we're called to just love the people who are who call Jesus Lord, who are Christians, but no, we're to love everyone. Why? Because we're all created in the image of God. We're all children of God, and we're called to love Jesus and to love others with a radical love. You see... People who live a countercultural mission, they develop spiritual disciplines of prayer and serving. They live other-centric lives, and they are strengthened by the Lord. They don't walk in their own strength. They put on the full armor of God and trust that God is at work, even in the midst of our world today. Loved ones, let's not get caught up in an us-versus-them You see, us versus them, it creeps in in so many different ways. We need to live our lives from a place where God is for us and he desires to use our lives to love them and to truly serve whoever them is we're called to live countercultural lives so we've got to stop fighting the wrong battles so we can actually put all of our energy towards fighting the real enemy and that is our spiritual enemy we need to put everything we've got to fight our spiritual enemy You see, Prophet Emma Stark said something that is harsh and painful, but true and may resonate for some of you about us here in Canada. She said that the reason your churches were shut down during the pandemic was because the culture saw them as irrelevant. And I believe in Canada we used the word non-essential. She went on to say, but instead of getting on your knees and crying out to God for a move of the Spirit like never before. Instead, you rose up and fought for your rights to get your non-essential, irrelevant church doors open again. I know that you know and I know that Christians have historically done a lot of things in the name of God that make it hard to claim the name Christian in fear that we would too be associated with some of the most unloving people in the world. And, and honestly, I'll be the first to admit that more than one, this us versus them has creeped into my heart over the last several years. These subtle invitations into divisions for the sake Of what my own pride and reputation, only realizing that these moments are invitations into us versus them, forgetting that the battle is not one of flesh and blood but a spiritual one, it's altogether different. If our churches are not a place for the broken, for the downtrodden, and the lost to find refuge then what are they? If our churches are not a place where people can encounter the living God in a life transformative way, then we need to get on our knees and repent for what it is that they've become. Our churches must be a place where in the midst of global crisis, they become a beacon of hope and help through the people of God. And you know what? The church, my friends, it's you and it's me. This building is just merely a place to gather us for worship. But the church is you sent out in the midst of culture every single day to make disciples, to preach the good news, to bind up the brokenhearted, and to proclaim freedom to the captives. The church is you who are called in the name of the Lord to go out into the highways and the byways, to heal the sick, to cast out. Demons to raise the dead in the authority of Jesus Christ, and so how do we become this church? How do we become resilient disciples who live counter-cultural mission? It's through humility. We humble ourselves and pray and turn from our evil ways. We humble ourselves and we love our enemies and we pray for those who persecute us. We humble ourselves, and we pray for a demonstration of the power of God, like which we have not seen. You know, Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary. I don't know about you, but this culture today can make us quite weary. He said, come to me, all you who are weary, for I am humble and lowly of heart. You see, a countercultural mission is a call to humility. It's a life of humility. Finally, be strengthened by the Lord and his vast strength. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. I want to invite the worship team back onto the stage. And we're going to enter into a time of extended worship today. Where we are going to invite the Holy Spirit to do a work in us that only he can do. You see, because this us and this them, this us versus them wants to creep into every aspect of our life. Oh, first it starts out there. I don't want to be like them, these people that I don't know. But then it slowly starts to creep right into our churches, and then it slowly starts to creep right into our families. It creeps into everywhere where all of a sudden that person is the enemy when really we have one enemy. We have one enemy, and he is spiritual, and he is out for destruction in every single way. And so, church, I'm going to invite you to stand, and we're going to enter into a time of worship together. And I want to open up the altars up here. If you want to worship up here at the front, you can come right up and worship at the front. I'm going to actually invite the prayer team to come up. And they're just going to be free and available to minister to people. And you can use the altar as a place to kneel. You can lie prostrate before the Lord. You can kneel in your seat if you want, but I want you to do some business with God. Let the Holy Spirit work and stir inside of you exactly what it is that he needs to do in you so that we can be resilient disciples, so that we can be the kind of church that Jesus died for, the kind of church that we are called to be, to be a beacon of hope and light in the midst of a dark and a broken world. And if you have darkness and brokenness in your life today, I encourage you, come forward and worship and lay it all down. Lay it at the altar and let Jesus come in and let him bring healing and let him bring restoration. Let the Holy Spirit fill you afresh today with a new freedom and a new restoration and a new healing. We're going to just turn this place into a house of worship and prayer. And we're going to press into God and let him do what only he can do.